Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 121. Well, I'll be reading the entire uh, scripture. If you've been in the hospital, it's not uh, unlikely that I read this to you because I find this to be one of the most encouraging psalms with regard to God's commitment to be with us. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Find 
that we praise you are the one we adore you give the healing embrace of hearts always hunger body of the missionary and explorer David Livingston was buried in Westminster Abbey, England, 1874. But part of him was missing. His heart was buried in the Africa that he loved. It was buried at the foot of a tall Imperdu tree in a small African village. The natives dug a hole and placed in it the heart of this man who they loved and respected. Then they embalmed his body in a cylinder of bark that was wrapped with sailcloth and then carried on their shoulders a thousand miles to the coast. It was a nine-month march of love. Before, uh, then it was sent home to England. During his life, uh, he received a letter from his missions committee. They wrote to him saying, some people would like to come and join you. What's the easiest road to get to where you are? And he replied, if they're looking for the easiest road, tell them to stay in England. I want people who will come even if there is no road at all. A heart for Jesus. The men that we're going to read about in uh, the John chapter 1, are about to discover that following Jesus won't be easy. They're about to embark on a journey that would not only change their lives, but would also change the world. Today, we're only going to look at five men who followed Jesus. Of the five people, these verses, only four of them are named Andrew, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel. But most scholars believe that the anonymous one is John, the one who wrote the gospel, the beloved disciple. So let's listen to this passage. John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. The next day, John was there again with uh, two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which 
when translated as Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip uh, found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Interesting passage of Scripture as Jesus calls his first disciples. We get here a glimpse of three days in the life of Jesus. In last week's scripture, day one, Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And then John the baptizer uh, calls Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, in this passage, we start to hear day three, and John the baptizer and two of his disciples see Jesus again, and John says, behold the Lamb of God, and two of John's disciples follow after Jesus. The first men to follow Jesus were Andrew and John. Jesus turns to them and asks, what do you see? Not who, but what? They say, Rabbi, where are you staying? Because what they really were asking at this point was they wanted to become his disciple and they wanted to learn from him. And I want to say to you that the first priority, the first ministry of a new convert the most important thing one can do when coming to Christ is to learn. Jesus asks us the same question, what do you seek? Jesus really is saying to each of us, come and see, take time and discover who I am. Decide if you're serious or not. Get close and see what God is doing. Don't sit back and just observe. Well, how do we do this? It's by letting those of us who are already there with Jesus show what Jesus has done in our lives. Come and see the power of God in our midst. Unfortunately, in the church today, popular wisdom says that the first thing that we do is take a skills assessment and then give them a job to do. This is totally contrary to scripture. In some cases, we get them into church and give them a ministry even before they become believers. The thought is that if we get them busy in church, they'll overhear and believe later. No. What we need to do is faithfully proclaim the gospel. When the person who hears the word in his or her heart 
and believes, the proof of their faith is that they submit to instruction. This is what these two disciples did. They wanted to come under the roof of their new rabbi and learn. Having spent the day and probably the night with Jesus, Andrew leaves convinced that he's the Messiah. He goes straight away to tell his brother Simon Peter and to bring him to Jesus. Now it's an interesting feature about Andrew's character. Each time that we meet Andrew in John's gospel, he's bringing somebody else to Jesus. Some years ago when many American missionaries were allowed to serve in China, a blind Chinese man was taken to a mission hospital and the missionary doctor there performed an operation and removed cataracts from the man's eyes and soon the man was able to return to his home and he left the mission hospital rejoicing in the recovery of his sight. A few weeks later, the missionaries at the hospital saw the man coming back down the road towards them. But this time he was holding a rope in which 40 other blind people were clinging. And he was bringing them to the place where his sight had been restored. He was introducing his blind friends to the very people who had helped him. Maybe, just maybe, we should learn to follow Andrew's example. Andrew may have lived uh, in his big brother's shadow, but Andrew was the one who continually brought people to meet Jesus. Well, Andrew's, Andrew's brother comes and observes, and Jesus gives him a new name. He's called The Rock. Jesus saw Simon, who would become, uh, uh, who who would become, what he would become, and gave him the name that best fit who he would be. Jesus is saying that Peter would soon become the foundation stone in the building of his church. The next day, Jesus sought out and called Philip. What the scripture really is trying to encourage us is that Jesus went looking for Philip specifically. And when he found him, he said, follow me. Philip was one of those people who just gets the job done. You know, every church has them in it. People who just get the job done. In fact, no church can live without them. But sadly, too many churches have the opposite reaction. Our church was bowed in grief this week as we learned that one of our most valuable members passed away. May not have heard of this yet. Someone else went home to be with the Lord. Death creates a vacancy that uh, will be difficult to fill. Someone else has been with us for many, many years. During all these years, he did far more than the normal person did uh, and share of the work in our church. Whenever leadership was mentioned, this wonderful person was looked to for inspiration as well as results. Whenever there was a job to do, a class to teach, or a meeting to attend, one name was on everyone's list. Someone else. Let them do it. Someone else was also among the largest givers in our church. 
When there was a financial need, everyone just assumed that someone else would make up the difference. This beloved church member, they were a wonderful person, sometimes appearing superhuman, but a person that can do only so much. Everybody expected too much of someone else. Now, someone else is gone. And the question is going to be who in our church will pitch in to do things that someone else has done. Well, LCPC, who's going to take the place of someone else? Now, some of you are going, Randy, that, that, that's just creepy. And I get it. But the truth is, we have always looked for someone else to do some of these jobs. We're done looking for someone else. It's us. There isn't that many more someone else's to pick to do. If you have been coming to the church a long time and haven't been involved, it's time to get involved. We are much like those first disciples as they come and learn about Jesus. Well, Philip found then, after he was called to Jesus, Nathaniel. And Philip said to him, we found him whom Moses in the law talked about and also the prophets wrote about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then we hear that Nathaniel say those famous words, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said back to him, he didn't argue or question. He simply said, come and see. And that, my friends, is what I believe is the biblical way to do evangelism. Invite people to come and see. You don't have to have all the arguments. They never work. Come and see what God is doing in our worship service. Come and see what God is doing in our lives, in our church. You see, it's, it's really not up to us to do all that work. It's up to the Holy Spirit to convince people to come to Jesus. All we do is invite them to come and see what God's doing. So that's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want to help you just a little. So if you would do this for me, in your bulletin there are sermon notes. Take the sermon note out if you haven't already. And this is what, get a pencil or a paper. This won't take long and it's not over involved and most of you will be able to do it. First thing I want you to do is draw just a, a relatively small circle and put your initials in it. That represents you. And then I want you to think about any groups or organizations or uh, people that uh, around 10 or more that you are involved with. And make circles around this, uh, you know, your family. Uh, I, I, I get to go out to lunch with the Romeos, so I put that there. I have a group that I... I on uh, Sunday afternoons during the summer, and we go to uh, Coronado, 
and sit in the park and listen to the concert there and eat dinner. Now, some of us play cards and, and board games. Others of this group knit. I don't get what they're doing, but I, that's fine as far as I'm concerned. They do that. So, so I have a, a group. Well, we, it's dinner. It's a dinner group at the park, and we listen to great concerts. Sometimes we don't like the music, but we just like each other. We laugh, and we talk, and we spend time together. I want you to think about some of the groups that you are involved in. It could be choir. It could be um, a session. It could be a Sunday school class. It could be uh, oh, uh, quilters. I'm with them. I, I know you, quilters, and you, you're still called quilters, all right? So just, just be aware of that. Try to come up. Now, I'm going to only give you just a minute or so to make some different groups and put them around. So please take just a minute and think about your life. Do some of these things. People you hang with, maybe it's your bowling group that you team that you bowl with every week uh, who do you know what relationships am i involved in what communities do i participate in they can either be acquaintances or friends or family members all right, that's all the time in this sermon that I can give to this right now. But I want you to take this home and maybe come up with a few. Just, just to ask a question, how many of you could come up with five circles around there? Look at that. There's some. All right, how many of you could come up with ten just in this time? Count them. One, two, three, four, five. Anybody get ten? Ooh, you guys are people. You're party people. I want to hang with you. This is, this is a good group. All right, now in those groups, this is what I want you to do. And this you'll have to do on your own. Who in that group doesn't know Jesus? You know, or at least you are somewhat aware if they know Jesus or not. I'm not asking you to lead them to Christ. What I'm asking you to do is do what I believe uh, New Testament teaches about evangelism. Come and see. Ask them to come and see what God's doing around here. And you're going to say, but Randy, God's not doing a whole... Yes, God's doing a whole bunch around here. And if you don't know, get with it. Let God do something around here through you. Come and see. That's all you have to do. That's all you're responsible for. Come and see. See, it's time for each of us to give our whole lives and our hearts and our minds to the Lord. When we worship, when we sing, when we study the Bible, when we pray, we should do it wholeheartedly. Why? Because you were forgiven your sins. Jesus paid the penalty for your sins and you were set free, you were forgiven, you're loved, you're made whole, you're being renewed, even as we are sitting here right now. Now that's a lot to get excited about. You can talk about that. 
It's interesting to me that when you look at Jesus' life, the three magi knew who Jesus was. Simeon and Anna, the prophetess, both recognized and proclaimed who Jesus is in the temple as he was brought there for circumcision. Then John the baptizer and then Nathaniel all have recognized who Jesus is. They know him as the Messiah. Jesus knew who Nathaniel is even before they met. Minding his own business, he was minding his own business, sitting under a shade tree, doing his devotions. That's what Nathaniel was doing just before his friend Philip came and turned his world upside down. Minding his own business, he was minding his own business, hanging out with his good friends, and that's what Andrew was doing just before his friend pointed to a stranger and said, he's the man. Minding his own business down at the lake, cleaning his fishing gear, that's what Peter was doing just before his brother Andrew came and said, Peter, you've got to meet this guy. Truth is, Jesus knows what we are really like. And he's still willing to be with us. We can't pretend to be something we're not before Jesus. He knows who we really are and wants us to follow him. Minding our own business, that's what we often find ourselves doing when Christ comes a calling in our lives as well. What's it mean to be called of God? What's involved in hearing and responding to his call? What's in God's mind when he calls somebody like you or like me? When we're called to God, the tone of God is friendly. It's conversational. It's an invitation to follow Jesus. An invitation to follow is the call of, to discipleship. And it's a call to discovery and adventure and exploration. It's an invitation to a relationship. God doesn't intend for everyone to go uh, to a different culture only to tell others to come and see. That's what God wants us to do. First and foremost, tell people to come and see. The point of following Jesus is simple. Leaving the old way of life in order to find the new way of life in him. We're to let go of the old way of life, the pride and the aggression, letting go of impatience and a bullishness, leaving the attitudes of hate and prejudice and vengefulness, setting aside division and self-centeredness. Jesus is the center and the source of this calling. He's the focal point. He's the voice that we're listening to. His footsteps are the one we're following. He's the one we pursue. Following Jesus is the act of imitating his character, his ways, his heart. There'll be times that it feels awkward for us, and it's hard to keep in step with him sometimes. So what have we learned today? We're to come and see, to come and follow Jesus. The only place for us to connect with heaven is Jesus. We're called to be like Andrew and Philip and invite others to join with us in meeting Jesus. Have you ever tried a product or gone to a restaurant because somebody else recommended it to you? 
you're more likely to try something recommended by someone you know. And it's the same. It's true for faith. Think about those sermon notes you wrote on. There's somebody there in those circles that needs to know Jesus like you know him. So ask the Lord to show you who they are. He will. And reach out to them and say, come and see. Now, I did this this week. And God gave me five names from this church. And I am to say to you, come and see what God is up to. I'm going to call you out. I don't do this very often, but I'm going to do it. Glenn, Michael, Steve, Kevin, and Evan. Jesus is saying to you through me, come and see what he's up to. To all the rest of you, are you in need of a fresh encounter with Jesus? There's no formula. There's no three simple rules to follow. All you have to do is be honest about experiencing Jesus in your life and asking him to come and make himself real to you. It happened to Andrew and Peter and Philip and Nathaniel and John, and it can happen to you and even your friends. He calls us to come and see. See if he's trustworthy. And he calls us to tell others what we found. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, it's as simple as that. Just tell people to come and see. I, I can even do that. Help us to be able to do that very thing. To seek the people that we are in contact with and then the one that you show us or the two that you show us to say, come and see. And then we spend time just reaching out and letting them see what God's doing in our midst because God is here. Your Holy Spirit, Almighty God, is working in this church. It's evident. You can see it. And we ask that you would work even in bigger ways. Lead us to the throne. Lead us to the cross. That we may be disciples of Jesus. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.